Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Hey, Boiling Pointers. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Before we start, Dave and I want to let you know all about our Boiling Point process, online courses, live events, and masterminds. After interviewing hundreds of leaders, we've packaged a ton of knowledge together to serve up to you. Info that will help you and your company be heard in a very noisy marketplace. So visit www.boilingpointprocess.com and sign up for the email newsletter and we'll let you know when our next cohort or event is. Thanks also for supporting The Boiling Point by subscribing to us on iTunes and also leaving a rating for us. That guy's got such a weird career, man. Oh, I know. His career track has just been... But my sense is he always does stuff he likes. He does. Which is somehow he found a way to get paid to do it. And paid ungodly amounts of money. And um, I don't, you know, he doesn't have had to sell out at all, as far as I can tell. Oh, hey, guys. Uh, I just got in here. Thanks for uh, thanks for talking about me there. That's, uh, <laughs> that's good. Uh, well, you're talking you know, about me, right? Or Joe Rogan? No, no, you. Definitely. <laughs> okay, good. And uh, we are recording, I guess? Yes. <laughs> oh, bang. Well, Dave. it's nice of you to show up. I mean, I, yeah, generally, I show, I, I, generally usually you just, I'm you here show first. Up, you show up right on time, and yeah. I'm here kind of making sure well, all the tech Because works. it's Christmas time, Dave, <laughs> there's all these little parties going on, uh. and uh, everybody wants to celebrate with, with holiday cheer and beer. And grilled cheeses and shepherd's pie. So that's where I've been. Slow Sounds down. fun. And uh, Sounds fun. and how about you, Dave? Where, where have you been? <laughs> oh, let's not talk about that. I've been working, man. Just trying to. Well, just... you didn't show up at poker last night. I what, know what's what's happening. Well, I lost all my money. Yeah. With it, well, I was actually three rounds. I lost uh, forty bucks. So we got. We, you know what was funny about the email trail with that poker game? So we, for for listeners, I don't think we've mentioned the poker game very much. But, but we've had Jake Jake we, Palmer's. And a, he's, a, yeah, we got this. An, we got a group that gets together and we play. Steve Kaufman been a guest and a host, and they're all they're all guys with you know two, three, four kids. <laughs> so and then you know the, what I was laughing at was was the you know this we landed on the time and I, I said I'll be a game time um, decision. And everyone's going, going, and everyone's—it's all good. And then all of a sudden, someone goes, "Who's bringing the poker chips?" And <laughs> like, who's bringing so, cards? You know, our, our friend like nothing. Wayne. Yeah. Uh, so, by the way, listeners, we've, we've got Brent Harris here from the Tool Library, which hey we guys. will do a proper introduction in a sec. But our friend Wayne—he actually has the poker, the chips, and and the cards. But he moved to France, oh. and he's literally come back twice. To come play poker with us. Last night he came, he flew into Moncton, oh Moncton God. Airport, not to play. Well. <laughs> we've we've scheduled our our poker nice. games around his is because he's got he's got the chips and the cards and the card bringer he, he landed in the okay. airport rents a car drove all the way rents a car <laughs> and then he's reading this was like are you guys kidding me you guys expected me to bring <laughs> to bring all this from France I'm not bringing <laughs> so we had no cards last night but we ended up getting cards yes. uh, late night and uh, oh I figured and okay. I, I ended up losing uh, my money quickly uh, because I forgot how to play there's every good, single there's, week I got to learn how to good, do it again it's a good place to make a deposit uh, good, right. <laughs> so. So we got a really cool guest today, and we had a chance to meet. I had a chance to meet you, anyways. Maybe Greg's met you before yes. at the Outstanding Business Awards. Oh, yeah, that too. Um, <laughs> and we were when we were emceeing, and you came up, and you guys were uh, the recipients of um, which which emerging one? Emerging Enterprise. 
Emerging Enterprise, yeah. which I'm very familiar with that particular you won award. That one, didn't you? That's right. Yes. That's right, brother. So uh, yeah, and it was you guys. I thought it was a great uh, acceptance speech, and and uh, we learned a little bit through the video. Mm. Um, but why don't you introduce yourself to the guests and sure. and uh, you know who's Brent and and tell yeah. us about his company. Give you the Coles Notch version. Yes, yeah. please do. Uh, yeah, so I'm, my name is Brent Harris. I'm the founder of the Two Library here in St. John. Not the only, I shouldn't say I'm the only founder. Alex Dickens was really early on. It was sort of my pitch to the Facebook world at the time. I was living in the, uh, the in the South End, so I was being I was involved with some community development work. Uh, originally with a church on the east side of the city uh, as a community development kind of officer, and then moved into a position with Catapult Construction as a project coordinator for a little while. And out of that, uh, just we a bunch of us were meeting every week, and uh, we were just looking at issues in the neighborhood, and we kept coming back to the well, who's going to do something about these rundown buildings? You know, r- right where I lived, there was six within a you know two block radius, right? And so you know, you, you walk out your door, you're immediately hit with boarded up buildings and rundown stuff, and kicked in doors and broken glass, and you just can't help but feel that like drain on your soul when you try to walk somewhere and then you get into the really nice part of some of the heritage zones and you're like, holy smokes, what a, what a schism here, right? One block over and we're we're looking at, you know, something from the 1870s that's been immaculately kept. So we just said, who's going to do something about this? And so that's where the gears started to roll for the tool library. And, uh, you know, the question was if we put, you know, these tools that can be cost prohibitive into as many people hands as possible, what would happen? And, uh, and so from there, that's June of 20, what what year are we in now? June of 2017 Mm -hmm. is when we opened. Okay. Or sorry, 2018. Yeah. We're coming up on, uh, you're you're into your second year. Yeah. We're in our second year. So, um, that's been our, that's been our priority. We, you know, we got the woodworking shop there. We call it the DIY center right out of the makerspace kind of makers movement stuff. And, uh, yeah, we've been just really impressed with what's been happening so far and have been really you know, um, appreciative of the attention we've gotten from like the Chamber and uh, Fusion St. John and a couple other groups. So some awards have been coming our way, which has been that's, really great. That's awesome. And, you know, t- just to go even a l- little bit deeper, what the service is, one of one of the service lines is a, a space with the tools needed. Because when I think about my boat project, you yeah. know, I talked about that yeah. is, uh, well, I, I've got lots of tools, but I might not have the right tools. Mm. And instead of going out and spending thousands, like spending more money on a tool than you would have spent on the actual boat, yep. <laughs> then, so you've got a membership model, is that yep. correct? And That's then, right. so yeah, why don't you explain to us a little bit of the business model? Because yeah. I think a lot of people are curious, because I, I know it, there are tool libraries in different cities around the around the world. I, no, as well. see, I didn't even know that. So, and, and who's the customer? You know, like that sort of thing. That would yeah, really so there's a couple different customer segments. I'll start with like the business model. It really has never been a business model before that I know of. So we're like the first ones that I know of. That doesn't mean we are because tool libraries are all over the world. In some places, like in Belgium, you go into a public library, there's a tool library in the basement. Really? Yeah. So your library card, which your taxes pay for, gets you a cordless drill. Just the same way it gets you something about Harry Potter, right? And so you can like check it out and exactly really? same same kind of Maybe. principle, right? Yeah. And so clearly, I'm not a handy guy. You can well, tell. <laughs> and uh, you know that's a nice progressive idea. Actually, yeah. Tool Library started in Ohio in in uh, Cincinnati in the 70s. Okay, and they were right out of the same kind of realm as what we were, but they all have been nonprofits. Either they've been like this municipal government kind of combo, or mm-hmm. it's been. Uh, a charity that, you know, started to kind of catch on to some of these needs and started a tool library. For us, we knew that in St. John, there are a lot of needs. 
We've got a lot of uh, low-income individuals. We've been, you know, this city's been hit hard with loss of the shipbuilding industry twice, really, like in the late 1800s with that, you know, being gone. And then the 1990s finally is the final nail in the coffin. And so thousands of people left and, you know, it just messed up a lot of our city planning stuff and development. And so we have this old city with lots of rundown buildings and, um, you know, for us, we just knew that there was a lot of nonprofits and charities already operating. So it was a very saturated industry, if you will mm. call it that. And so we didn't want to add to it. We didn't want to be going to ask more forgivers, yeah. like to give more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you know, St. John's, you know, eighty thousand people. So you're gonna be going to the same people who are already giving probably a lot of what they have. And so that's when we uh, we said, Well, what would it look like to make this a social enterprise, more of a business. So we framed it. We, you know, we, we at, that, at this point in time, we'd be the most expensive tool library in the country that I know of, but still really reasonable prices. Because for a year, uh, one membership for the year is ninety bucks plus tax, so one hundred and three fifty. That's nothing. And a cordless drill is about ninety bucks. So you get seven hundred and fifty tools that you kind of join into this co-op, you're a member, mm. and that's the entry-level membership. And Greg, what you're talking about, we have this shop out back, so it's got planers and joiners. It's got, you know, big, long benches that you can set up, anything from a cabinet to a shelf on and and work and have lots of space to do it, which is another problem. You're living uptown, you know, I've seen people try to build shelves on their little 10 by 10 patio, right? Because they just have nowhere to set up in their house. Mm-hmm. and. And so that's been a big draw too. And we have a couple of other membership levels that are kind of designed for that. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the business model of the tool library itself. Cool. Well, you answered my question. So it's a for-profit, obviously. It's a, actually a nonprofit organization. Okay. We started as a for-profit kind of sole proprietorship. Yeah. I'm the one who really just said, okay, I'll go borrow the money. Yeah. And yeah. I knew there was a team behind me. Because it, it's a pretty big risk. It's not like an easy money-making Because it's thing. pretty capital-intensive up front, right? Like you're, you're... A lot of donations were needed yeah. by tools. So yeah. a lot of people who had just okay. garages, yeah, right, yeah, filled yeah. with tools they weren't using, brought their tools in. Okay. We had some amazing response that way. But yeah, it was, you know, you got to get the space, you got to renovate the space, you got to get the policies done, you got to get, you know, the dust collectors set up. And, you know, there's all kinds of capital costs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we had to wait around for a donor, we'd be waiting around for $30,000, $40,000 just to get the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. Right. So that was pretty. So you know. so you're not a charity. That's right. Uh, but you are a for-profit, but you're operating as a social enterprise, which means you're reinvesting your profits back into community. Or yeah. like, are you like an incorporated? That's right. So we're technically an incorporated nonprofit okay. as of February, 2018. Before oh, okay. that. An incorporated nonprofit or profit? Correct. Okay. Incorporated nonprofit. Before that, All we were right. just a sole proprietorship. So you were a for-profit regular, yep. uh, yeah. And now it's a nonprofit. But with that nonprofit, mm. you're able to give out uh, corporate receipts to donors, or no? The next step for us would be to potentially become a charity. I see. And so we're uh, then that's different. Got yeah, it. the nonprofit world is kind of separated into two. You have your, you know, the ones most people familiar with are charities. Uh, but then there's a lot of organizations, like even some law firms are technically nonprofit incorporations. <clears throat> and it just means that you're not looking to sell shares in the thing. You're not looking, you know, there's a mission that's beyond just a, a shareholder return or a dividend, right? And so we played with the idea of going a for-profit incorporation. We went with the nonprofit incorporation because the ecosystem around social enterprises is starting to develop. It's very far behind here, but it's starting to develop. So in places like BC, you can actually be a nonprofit incorporated entity, get shareholders in in a kind of a wraparound way, and have these long-term small dividend paid payouts 
because there's such a strong mission and cause behind the thing. Interesting. There's legislation around it out there. It's a bit of a cumbersome thing, but people are starting to get their heads wrapped around the idea that, you know, we can't just have either charities or enterprises that are just trying to make money. There has to be something important in between that can kind of catch both, Mm. um, that can be sustainable without having to return profits. So, you know, we're definitely playing with the model. Yeah. um, The other thing I'm thinking about, and I'm glad we're talking about all this, because these are questions that I, Mm. that I've only brushed back and forth with you before and didn't really fully understand. But um, co-op models are interesting because it is about making profit, but the dividends go back to a predetermined place. And some, some co-ops will say, Money goes back to community. Oh, money goes back into each of the shareholders, or each of the co-op members yep. with one vote each into yep. their pockets. Um, but anyway, there's a lot of neat neat things. And I'm sure people listening to this mm. who don't have the patience to set up a proper charity or nonprofit, they're probably going to be interested in this conversation. I agree because, because yeah. a charity can take you 18 months to get started, right? Before you can get the, the rights to return receipts. So that's a long process. Ever since 2008, when Stephen Harper was in power, he made it like increasingly hard to, and no government has stepped back from that. There's like kind of a way high level of hmm. you need to meet these standards in order to be a, a charity. And if you happen to go outside the boundaries one time, you can either lose your status or get hit really hard with regulation. <laughs> so there's actually been every year a steady decline in the amount of charities in Canada. I think at one point there were as many as 80,000 charities across the country. And so it keeps stepping back because it costs a lot of money to give the administration in place to get the paperwork done properly and into the CRA and the right, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, yeah. So. I remember doing that with some some, some business folks and uh, – we were so exhausted by the end of all the governance and all, you know, everything, try to get all the, the, you know, the hoops and all the hurdles yeah. that we finally got to the end of it. It was like, no one, having people quit showing up to meetings, right? Yeah. So, you know, and ironically, we, we we're part of a group that uses a, an existing framework to give money, mm-hmm. not, not create our own entity in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, some sort of status. But so let's go back to your, um, you're in the south end of, of St. John. Yep. Um, and it's in, you know, what I find interesting is, is that it was like looking around at the buildings, you know, the dilapidated buildings and that sort of thing mm. that was part of what, like the seed of, of, um, I guess inspiration. Mm-hmm. So, so that, but I'm guessing that some of the people on the membership aren't, you know, they, they may be coming from other places, right? That's right. Like, so, so, you know, how much different is it now in terms of when you look at your membership and what's happening than maybe originally conceived? Yeah. The- when we first started, our main customer demographic, we thought we're going to be first-time home buyers, And we had hoped that we would make it accessible to people who would be what we would define as house broke. They may have a home. They may own, they may own their house, but they're, they're such fixed income, they have no margin to hire a contractor like myself or someone to come in and do that work. And so the idea was empower through giving this baseline access to tools that would be super expensive, as you pointed out. Um, but now we're finding that our customer base is really two. Um, the most active users we have are business owners. <laughs> so like, like, like when you, seven like, businesses uptown have totally renovated their okay. new spaces yeah. at wow. membership. So we got Shamrock Barbershop. You got <laughs> Harry there. You got the Visitor's Art, uh, Visitor's Gallery <laughs> and vintage like clothing um, place. The two, Emily and um, Casey, they did their whole shop just by coming across the road and getting tools from up and going back over. Really? Um, there's uh, Matt, Matthew Elliott there at Ethel and Mary's. He's starting yeah. up. He's got a membership doing it all himself. 
So all of a sudden, they have become our most prominent members. Maybe not, we don't have a ton of those, but they're in all the time because they're trying to start their business and they're saving themselves thousands of dollars by doing it themselves and by not having to go buy the tools. And that, does that surprise you? That... It did. We never saw that coming. We yeah. didn't really see ourselves as like an incubator type mm. thing for businesses. Yeah. And certainly they're not, it's not an incubator because, you know, they're, they're birthing the ideas themselves, but then they're finding us along the way as a way to like really streamline the process, cut down their costs yeah. to get, you know, open and hopefully cash flow positive sooner. There's been a bunch of snow recently on the ground and I was shoveling away and, you know, I was, I was playing with this fat, this idea, should I get a snowblower? You know what? I'm like, man, like how often will I actually use it? Yeah. And my neighbor just got one. And I was thinking, why don't what we, you know, this whole sharing it. economy, right? Exactly. And I was like, yeah. we should be sharing it with like the group of us because, you know, and everyone takes a week or whatever, right? Yeah. Like, cause it just, cause it, even if you can't afford it, it's kind of irrelevant if you, you know, and then I think of these, some of these tools that I have bought that I would hardly ever use. Right. Like what a waste of money, yeah. resources. Um, you know, you just got stuff <laughs> that you, you yeah. know, and, and then That's but like you, but runaway consumerism. Yeah, right? exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, but there, but there is stuff, there is yeah, there is that yeah. one time you're going to need it, right? Yeah. yeah. But that might be two years from now, and it's just and like it seems so <clears throat> crazy to me. So like yeah. like as you're telling me this, I'm thinking to myself. And the other thing I've run across is like I'm not a very handy person, so um, so I kind of appreciate you know contractors that can do the work. Yeah. But half the challenge I have is I don't have the right tools, which makes it even harder to do something. Right. Right, like you're trying all these wrap <laughs> work around things to do something that my father-in-law was told, Dave, you need this, you know, wrench right. and this and that and the other thing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. But where, when am I gonna? How often would I use those? And where the heck do you find those? Well, you should yeah. have them. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I'm just thinking of myself being yeah. a member. Yeah. How valuable, how cool that would be. Well, and you know, for the environmentalists in us, right? You know, you're talking. I tracked one lithium battery from a mine in the con- in the Congo, the DRC, to a refining factory in France to an assembly factory in China, to a distribution center in San Francisco, to Home Depot on the shelf. So one battery made a 39,000 kilometer journey. Wow. And how in God's name, you gotta ask yourself, we can buy that battery for $60. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. just ludicrous because nobody's paying for that pollution. Right? That's right. Nobody yeah. pays for it. Yeah. It's just like, it's it, absorbed. It, this big tanker can take thousands of batteries. So the fixed costs, you know, like, you know, the capitalism, right? The fixed costs are spread over this massive amount. So it's a pen, it's a penance. But if, I mean, if you stop and you think about, my goodness, like if we all try to own our own batteries, just as one right. little example, holy right. crow. Same with the snowblower, even right. more so, right? Right, right. And, and, so. and like, like cars, everything. Well, I mean, uh, it could, cars too, like people in our neighborhood, we're, we're saying the same thing. None of us want two cars, but we all have them because that's the way our lives are in this city. Yeah. And uh, when do we need the second car, really? Because we could both get to work in one car. Yep. But there's times where you ne- might need a pickup truck. That's when you start having three kids. <laughs> <laughs> Which he's on his way. There we go. So the is that but is that a is that a is that a demographic? Is that something you're Absolutely. gonna you're gonna like? Because that story about the lithium battery is probably good for a bunch of us to know to go. Yeah. Shit, I never thought of that. No, and no one does. And we try to keep communicating that story, right? Uh, and because there's multiple reasons why somebody would want to be a part of it. Right. Uh, like you've outlined a few of them. But the main demographic would be millennials. Millennials tend to be the most like Practical. sharing economy, <laughs> like <Smart>. conscious. <laughs> yeah. Um, and cash strapped as and well. And cash strapped, right? And so, educated. So yeah. you get all these things, you know, yeah. that are, like, that's that's a really good point. It's like, yeah, like they know, they're educated in, in what the impacts are. Right. They don't have the money in most cases to buy the stuff. Yeah. And they understand sharing, the sharing economy. So it breeds yeah. this innovation, right? All of a sudden you have these tensions and it means we have to innovate. And like my dad's garage looks like Canadian Tire, 
right? That was his generation, right? Back then, you know, he could go and buy a car on one summer's salary right off yeah. the lot, like back in, you know, his yeah. early 20s. Yeah. And it's just so not that way anymore. So, right. you know, we have to innovate these solutions. And, and, and you know, it's just more efficient for society mm-hmm. to operate this way. I love it. I think it's a, I think it's fabulous. Now, who's your like who would be considered competition if 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 anything in the in the region, or who would be maybe like the classic rental places? Because mm. there's still a lot of people who yeah. are like, well, I don't want a one month or a one year membership. I just need it for today. Uh, they go down to A to Z or something like that. But the yeah. reality is, is you can't go to A to Z rentals to get a hammer, a wrench, <laughs> or a hammer, yeah. or a cordless drill, or. Uh, a, sometimes you can't even get a circular saw there. You can get big equipment, which some of that we don't have. But um, yeah, a lot of the smaller tools that you just need all the time, they don't rent out. So that becomes... Like if you want a backhoe, you're going to go there, but not yeah. necessarily... And you're... the cost is not really fair. That's why they're kind of competitors are kind of not because uh, to rent a table saw there for the day is 50 bucks. You can borrow a table saw a hundred times from us for still same price, 90 bucks for the year. So there's the cost savings there. If you, you know, as soon as you rent a tool two or three times, it's paid for your membership. Right. But some people are still stuck on this. Well, I don't need it for the whole year. I just want it for the day. And you know, that's sometimes a bit of a wrestling match. So that's, that's not your, that's not your avatar. That's not the person. That's not yeah. the person you're trying to go yeah. after. Cause and, and I am always going back to the business model constantly. Cause uh, I know also what it, what it takes to like a living wage for, a, a single earner family, mm. right? Let's say a couple with one person uh, working mm-hmm. and maybe a couple of kids mm-hmm. in this city, $67,000. That is yeah. your living income wage. Yeah. Um, and, we, and, we, and we don't live in a, in a community that like if we compare it's our, not an other regions, it's not expensive. Right. That's you know, right. So, but still, um, that's, that's a significant But that's really anything to think about for a lot of different parts of this conversation because mm. not there's a lot of people that are not making that type of money, no. right? Um, and uh, so, f- f- I guess for the benefit of the tool library, it's you're you're helping people achieve a living wage in a way because right. of. Uh, but also outside of that, uh, I guess one of my questions or concerns would be for your business model. Yeah, is I don't know how many people you have on staff, but it seems like a hundred dollars is way too low. Yeah. To be able to give you and your your staff a salary, none of, don't don't answer. It's none of our business. Yeah, yeah, I'm just yeah. wondering yeah, in yeah. a in a co op model, yeah. is there a way to be able to allow the people who really don't have the money to, to still pay the hundred bucks, but get crank that price up so so they can start marketing it more and all this stuff. This is my curiosity and you probably know, too personal to talk about. No, but, but you know who, you know who ripped my business model to shreds when I first brought it to her was Donna Maserol. Yeah. And, you know, she does some accounting. She works yeah. with Enterprise or what used to be Enterprise St. John, no. now Edge SJ on, uh, you know, business development. And she just took a red red pen because I was using the model that has been used by every tool library across the country. So like I said in the beginning, my tool library model is actually the most expensive one, but it probably could be more expensive to your mm. point. And so we've been we've been struggling with that. Like we don't want to be cost prohibitive, but my goodness, we got to stay alive, right? And so that's why- you got rent and all Yeah, you so, know. But we, I wonder like, like what's your- because that's a good point Greg's bringing up, and I wonder if if part of your membership maybe has the capacity to pay a little bit more and be, and like believes in the mission, right? More like the Y, MCA, like where they say, okay, you make this much money, this is what your right. membership would cost. Right, Yeah. Yeah, like because, like, you know, when I think that through, I'm thinking, well, yeah, look, I'm going to get my money back tenfold if I'm using a, 
the, the library properly. Mm. But, um, you know, if you live out in the valleys, an extra, you know, there's an extra cost or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Or, yeah, you know, we're, certain, we've uh, toyed with that. Yeah. An, another interesting way, and Not I know, you, came, I, I, I know you didn't come here to look for can, advice here. <laughs> yeah, I'm game for it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I've been going to a lot of these like social venture uh, conferences and, and things like that, this stuff that's in your space. Yep. And it's really cool because these conferences are not cheap. Last one was a couple of weeks ago in Berkeley and uh, like just registrations, like 1800 bucks. Yeah. It's insane. But what, what a lot of them are doing is, hey, um, here is, the, here's, here's the base rate. Mm. Um, like let's, let's say it was $1,500. And it says in very bold letters, would you consider paying $1,800 to help us subsidize some of the folks that need to be here yeah. but can't afford to be. Yeah. And almost everybody says, I'll pay the extra 400 bucks. Yeah. And um, so uh, when I'm thinking about uh, a bunch of different business models like yours, I'm not yeah. specifically talking about yours, but I really want them to succeed and work in, in ways that the people who are actually – you know, dedicating their lives to can actually still make a living in, yeah. a, in, a, in whatever. Do, do, do you know what's interesting about that? Like, a, I have a coaching business, mm. and um, I've been toying with the model. Like, a lot of times, business coaching, it's it's a kind of a premium service. It's not it's not inexpensive. Um, sometimes when people really need it, and or could really value it, or could really, um, you know, it could really help them, <laughs> is when they're at their toughest. Like, I'm thinking of the entrepreneurs, anyways, toughest times in their careers. Right? Mm. They might be cash strapped, and I've always thought. What if we could offer that and it's like a pay it forward kind of thing? You know, someone gets through it, okay, there's no fee for it for them, mm. but they're going to help the next person along that mm. shows up. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I think every business probably toys with this like, this model in some yeah. some degree. So, yeah. um, but but you're not here to get our advice. So <laughs> let's, 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 let's jump off that. Yeah. I, I got a question for you. What, sure. What's the most, uh, kind of the biggest learning for you over the last couple of years? Oh, the biggest learning I think I've done is around this nonprofit world stuff. So around the foundations and the government grants and the things that exist to try to develop community. You know, I would be remiss if I didn't say that, like, I have literally been, like, I felt so rejected by <laughs> getting into that because you feel so strongly about what you've got and like who's coming out to use it. And you're seeing some of these buildings renovated and you're seeing some people's lives really impacted. But yet the model is so fresh and new that a lot of people just can't wrap their mind around it to say, well, what are you really doing to help anybody who's in poverty? Right. And I get the question, when I get that question, it just is like, Oh, it's so jabbing. But you know, I've had to learn that it takes a lot of time to build partnerships with the people who have been there for 20 years and have been working at it. And I really jumped in quick. Like I put the video up in December of 2017 and opened by June of 2018. We found some people who came, who rallied and made it possible, right? And certainly some of that, some of that, like you're talking about business coaching from Edge SJ and from the social um, innovation group there in Fredericton, you know, part of those cohorts. Very helpful learning, but we did it very fast and we didn't take the time to go to those other people who have been there okay, yeah. and tell them like, here's the mission we're trying to accomplish. I know right. you share that passion. Right. How could this support that or how could we work together in that? And now we're having to like really try to go backwards because although we've been embraced by the business community and that's been very encouraging, you know, this relationship with the nonprofit world and the charities that have existed has really been scarred and marred in some cases yeah. because they, I don't know why fully, I, I don't want to comment on it, but it just, I can tell that when I have the conversation, people are like, well, you're a business, 
you should. What, what, what do you know? Yeah. Why? Why? <laughs> why do you come? Why are you coming for a grant? And I'm like, well, we're not a business. Like, I mean, if we were a business, we'd be a tool rental company, right? right like, this right. is a tool library. Every every tool library in the country is, like, uh, you know. So, so is it, is it the I've people? had to do some learn some hard learning. There, yeah, I think. that's yeah. that's really interesting because because you, you, you go in maybe or at least I have in some situations pretty naively, and then yeah, and then I don't know if you're experiencing this, but it almost sounds to me like, and I guess I maybe have experienced this, is you you start getting into a, a like a territory where pe- people kind of say, well, wait a sec, you're just the new guy here. That's right. And and people do feel territorial and about it. And protective. Like, like people, like you say, have been busting our butts off or whatever right. sector it is. Right. Well, we've been doing it for this long and you come out of nowhere. So like we, uh, I've experienced that in the film industry as well. Like it happens like when, 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 the, when the new guard comes mm. and I think it's healthy. It's super healthy yeah. that you have been put into this ecosystem yeah. as a different model because you know what? Everybody else should be learning as well from you as you're learning from them. Right. Because you do have a, a, a profit model. Yes. That yep. is critical for sustainability. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you talk to our friends at the United Way, they believe that fully. If, you're, if your charity is not uh, building itself to be fiscally sustainable, they just can't support it because yeah. it, it – It's it, a never-ending story, right? Always right. So um, and when you said earlier that you're not a business, you are a business mm-hmm. and so are they. That's right. <laughs> They're raising money right. to yep. create something. The problem is is the confusion yeah. well, about just... where money goes. And I think people get all freaked out, some people, without – really digging into it yeah. to say, oh, well, they're for profit. They're just pocketing all the money. Right. That's not true. Let's talk yeah. about what a social enterprise is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So like, so, we, so the uh, Outstanding Business Award didn't help that cause at all. Well, it, it was <laughs> certainly like, again, it was like overwhelmingly positive for us. And, you know, website traffic jumped and, you know, like right there's on. a lot of people that got awareness out of that that didn't know about us before. Yeah. But the reality is, is that's just an area where we've fallen down and we're not, we're still trying to figure out how to get up. And how to get in and how to work with, because, you know, the amount of capacity that is built by a tool library is just magnified when there's buy-in from the other community Mm. groups and assets. Uh, And we've seen that in Toronto. We've seen that in places like London um, and in Ottawa. Those tool libraries there have a very strong and impactful presence. Like Toronto has three tool libraries and 4,000 members. That's Toronto. You know, we need about about 320 members to break even. So we have little things that we do on the side to kind of keep us going. While like we, contracting? For yeah, like, like renovations. Like I got three people that work for me and re- doing renovations and stuff. And we have a full-time staff at the tool library and a part-time, then about five volunteers that put time in. Mm-hmm. So we found a way to make it work. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, the, the, it would be like we're now we're starting to work with one change in the North End on this building on Victoria, uh, doing our community build. And that has been like, okay, we've got a partner now. We just need to continue to figure out how to like dig in and uh, and put the effort there. So, um, yeah, I think it's turned around. It's just been it's been some hard learning. I guess. And, yeah, and then cool. and then on the uh, on the more positive side, like was there things that surprised you, like in terms of people's um, uh, you know willingness yeah, right. and ability to help and engagement and that sort of yeah, thing? Yeah. So I mean, we've got you know we've got a board of eight volunteers. I mean, just mm-hmm. sitting on the board, but you know. For example, like Rick Steven, he's my financial officer guy. He used to work for MBTEL. You know, he's semi, he's retired now, but he, like every other retired person, works long hours still somehow. But he was there like three times a week helping me pull studs out of walls and renovate the tool library. And like Alex coming along and saying, no, I really like this, quits his job to get to help me start the tool library, Alex Dickens. And then um, four or five other volunteers who were just showed up and kept showing up. 
um, when it wasn't even reality yet. That was that was really encouraging. That's really cool. Yeah. Good for you. Uh, that's yeah. awesome, man. I, I think it's it's exciting, and uh, you know what? Uh, my commitment is I'm going to become a member for 2020. Uh, and because resolution. I, you know, it's it's one of those things. There's so many cool things going on that yeah, we're yeah. all involved with. Sign like, me up too. This yeah. is, yeah. but this is something that I actually can truly benefit from because yeah. I actually use tools on a regular basis. And I do have a, you know, mostly mostly dad's tools, but they're at my house. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of them are anyway. But like we, you know, we've been talking. We've got a boat. My dad yeah. and I are rebuilding a boat. We've been doing it for three years. And, yeah. uh, you know, there's, there's we got some good tools, but there's stuff that we just won't have, yeah. right? And uh, what a cool application. And for that price, and I would suggest that you uh, double the price for me, uh, <laughs> would be, uh, I mean, like it's it's a no-brainer. Yeah, you know? uh, yeah. So uh, I, I'm, well, I'm and, and what's and what's the harm in just making or putting that and saying if you're interested, here's a. It's a good point. You, you know, know I mean, there's like, no there's no risk there's, there. What's downside? Right? You say here's the baseline. I hear, yeah, and you but, put the story beside it. Say, if you were able to afford this much, you're going to help subsidize uh, the next person's other membership. people. Yeah. 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 So, so I'm actually putting my hand out saying that I'll be the first to do that. Okay. So. All right. It'll be on the it'll be on the card <laughs> when you come in. Uh, so you mentioned the video and yep. the website. So how do people find you and yes. learn more about this? So we're at 160 Union um, up here in uptown. We are we are <laughs> looking for another space. We feel like we've kind of outgrown this space. So if anybody is listening to this and they're like, we know of a space, it's got a good amount, you know, it's around 2,000, 2,500 square feet, and we'd love to have the two library there. You know, we can't pay a fortune for rent, but we can definitely pay something. Um, but we need to we need to grow out of that space. But that's our space for now uh, at 160. And then we have our website, sjtl.ca. S-J-T-L. Yeah, St. John Tool Library. It's like yeah. Library.ca. Okay. You can Google us and it will pop up. And uh, and the video that you were describing earlier, you mentioned, I haven't seen it, but it, yep. is, is that, uh, that's... All on the there? website, okay, yeah. Cool. All the videos we've had to date include, well, Greg's uh, team was a big help. They helped us with the storytelling oh, in cool. the first community build. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. That video is still... Uh, the Hemings House kind of video there is still up, still and a really And we've used resource. that video actually in the U.S. to pitch it to HGTV. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I, I didn't know did that. I, I didn't tell you this? No. Okay. I, there was, there was <laughs> a bunch talk of stuff of going on. There was talk of it, but I never knew that actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we, we pitched it to A&E and HGTV. Uh, Very cool. Hilarious. I'm such a, I'm such a, a bad friend. I was... Uh, <laughs> I uh, even had your picture on a slide deck, and I was like, this is a kick-ass idea for a show. Brent's awesome. Look at him. And they're like, oh, yeah, he's got the look. And I was like, he sure does. <laughs> Next and, Brian uh, Bomber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so fun. I oftentimes uh, tell people that, that I'm pitching ideas around them, but I, I, I told Alex. I, yeah. I must, uh, yeah, sorry. Oh, that's all good. <laughs> anyway, yeah. the, the, the cool news is it's still, I'm using that video mm. to say, there might be a show here, guys, mm. because it's a small uh you know, it's a startup, but it's really, it's that whole, like, the DIY channel, the HGTV. They love seeing community builds. Yeah. You know, or things like that. Like, yeah. Uh, so, and for yeah. for listeners that can't see, they can't see Brent, mm. you're about, what, 6'6", six, six probably? Yes. Got I, a big, I'm 6'2", I'm six, six and I look up to Brent. Uh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> he's got a big, big, big <laughs> man beard. Good bushy yeah. beard. Yeah. No hair, though. No hair. It all well, migrated that's, a, that's okay, man. That's like, <laughs> yeah. that's like me. Really that's, that's great. <laughs> We're in a very good company here. Um and so a lot of our listeners aren't from here, but what if what if someone was listening and said, man, I love this idea. I yeah. just would love to support it in some way. Is yeah. there a way for them to do that? Yeah. So uh, we've got some merch and things like that, but we, uh, you know, on our website, we've got my contact info. We're always looking for 
certain tools. Okay. So, you know, if somebody wants to sponsor tools, like Ryobi stepped up last year and sponsored us with about $2,300 worth of tools. Wow. Which was massive. It was our first sponsorship. Okay. And uh, those tools are like, they're always being used. Okay. And so if there's a sponsor sitting, listening, they could get involved. In absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, there's, um, there's all sorts of ways you can do it in kind. You might have a company that goes through tools um, and needs to replace them every once in a while. This is another good place to park them. Or your local tool library. I mean, if people are listening across the country, there's a dozen tool libraries in Canada. Right. So they all need that kind of support. So Is there like uh, an, aff- an affiliation of some sort between them or it's just, like, you just... It's, yeah, it's like the network of dreamers, I guess. It's like okay. we're, we all know each other and we yeah. all high five each other on the forums, but there's no like franchise model that yeah, has yeah. like amalgamated yeah, them yeah. or anything. Best but, practices. Uh, exactly. Like, gotcha. Yeah. Well, yeah, man, right. well, I love what you're doing. Um, it's so cool to hear the contribution you're make, making. Yeah. And, um, you know, I to me, it would be kind of neat at some point to see some sort of case study come out of this, eh? Well, stay you know, tuned. Okay. We've okay. got potentially one in the works with nice. uh, a group in Vancouver. Good. Okay. They're cool. from the Social Impact Academy. So maybe Good. 2020, come soon. Nice. Damn. <laughs> awesome. Okay, yeah. brother. Well, uh, thanks for uh, coming out today, Brian. Yes. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it's been it. Great. And, and we'll see you in 2020. In Absolutely. The <laughs> All right. Yeah. Hold us accountable to this, too. Will do. Okay. Get some emails. <laughs> And now it's time for the Boiling Point Takeaways. What a voice. He's got the perfect He's voice. Got the voice. He's yeah. got the voice. And the look, according to uh, A&E or hey, whoever. Uh, hey. HGTV. He's, 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 got, he's got that rugged, uh, manly HGTV DIY uh, look. It's good. It's good. Yeah, so, yeah. So great, great conversation. Takeaways are, um, I just, I don't know. I, I love mission-driven companies, you know what I mean? And that... Um, you know, see a problem and, uh, you know, rather than making it worse, say, how can we, how can we change something? And Brent clearly did that and is doing that. And so I'm kind of excited to learn more about his company and, and his business and what they're doing, the impact they're having. And we learned that there might be a case study coming up at some point in 2020. So yeah. um, they're clearly having impact and now they'll be able to, to educate people on how they're doing that. So awesome. what, what was it for you, Mr. Hemmings? Well, um, it's, it's been fun because I've known Brent for a little while. And uh, like I said, mentioned a punk rock show. I, don't know, I can't remember what band it was that we were seeing down in uh, Callahan's. It was back uh, when it was Callahan's. Um, it was like really late at night. You pa- had the Brazilian guy up. The, oh, I guess. That's and, right. And we met and at the Callahan's DJ. afterwards. Yes, I went Pablo. to the Five and Dine. Pablo, that's right. That's right. And then we met at Callahan's. Yeah, so, and, and you're right. His head was like above everybody else just because Brent's so tall. Um, but I've always had these questions about, you know, because I'm really interested in different business models and not-for-profit models and, and ESOPs, employee stock option plans, co-ops, all these different models of using your business as a force for good, not necessarily as a charity, you know, and uh, so having this discussion was really cool. I um, I walk away with uh, with optimistic uh, concern about all businesses that are mission based that aren't aren't uh, bringing in uh, the revenues that they easily could if they asked for it. And that's a that's a fun challenge that I'm giving to Brent right now. Mm-hmm. That uh, that you are probably already are a completely sustainable business, but um, I think the community wants to support organizations like yours, mm-hmm. and uh, there's ways to do it. So I'm I'm hoping that this has been. Uh, a, a, a fun, inspirational conversation. So those of you who are watching this video, check out the podcast, uh, bowlingpointpodcast.com. Do we want to get final takeaways from Brent? Yep. Uh, final takeaways. Um, you know, spend the time doing doing the work with uh, relationship building, especially when you're the new kid on the block coming into a, a new mm. industry. But uh, other takeaways, yeah, don't be afraid to, to ask people to chip in a little more. I think, you know, one person said to me a long time ago, I never forgot it, and it just this conversation reminded me of it. You know, people don't want to be asked what's the least they can do. They want to be asked what's the most they can do. 
And that's a game-changing question. And so uh, nice. I'm going to ask that question. Oh, that's wicked, man. Yeah. SJTL.ca. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, guys. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com. And on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's blasttheradio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.